That being said, are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Yes. Let's do it. Get your sermon notes out. We are uh, uh, really in this series moving on, and we've talked about how to move on from your past, and, and today we're going to talk about how to move on into your, into your purpose in life, and uh, really the, the reality of this is I could never squeeze all of this information in just one message. I can't even do it in two messages, so this, is, so this series is going to go for two more Sundays after this one. It's really for you. It's three, three messages that really all tie in together. Um, in fact, next Sunday morning, that message is already finished. It's already went to print. I'll be gone this week. Um, uh, at, at just a, at a pastor school, at a pastor's conference, and um, just for a time of refreshing. It's a solo trip. The, the whole staff isn't going, just me. And uh, so pray for me this week. But if, also, if you try to reach me, text me, uh, whatever, I'm, I, I'm, I'm blocking myself off. This is a time of refreshing, so I'm blocking myself off from all that. So the church is here for you, as always. If you need anything, just call the church, and uh, they'll, they'll take care of you. And uh, as I prep for next Sunday morning, I'll tell you, I wish I could preach that again. I wish I could just continue this message and preach the, the next Sundays too, but I got to wait for that. So don't miss next Sunday. Be here next Sunday. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be good stuff. And this is something that I'm very passionate about. Something that comes easily for me, uh, although it didn't, and I'll explain that why and, and how in, in just a little while. Uh, but I want to start out by by kind of just gathering us here on the same page to. To really kind of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about today, as we talk about purpose, as we talk about really what, what, people, what people aim for concerning success in their life. And, and I think we have a lot of people in this room that have a different definition of what, what success really looks like in this life. And I want to say this, as a, as a follower of Christ, not only as your pastor, but just as a Christian, as a man who, who studies the Word of God and knows the Word of God, that success has nothing to do with your accomplishments. It has everything to do with your obedience to God. That you could accomplish a lot of things in this world, and the world might look at you and say, wow, that you're so successful. Look at, at the money that you have, or look at you know, the promotions that you're getting, or look at the house that you live in, or the car that you drive, or the family that you have. You are, you are so successful. But to tell you the truth, success should never be determined by our accomplishments. Success should be determined by our obedience to God. Because if you're disobedient to God as a follower of Christ, if you're disobedient to God, you are not successful, are you? Like you could be successful with, with money or with your house or with your job or with a company or whatever the case is, but true success as a follower of Christ looks different than the rest of the world. True success in following Christ always includes obedience, obedience. And, and I was thinking about this, that all of us have uh, this purpose on our life, and I'm, I'll prove that to you this morning, that we were created on purpose for a purpose. That's how we say it here at New Song. We were created on purpose for a purpose. And so all of us have a purpose to glorify the Lord, to expand the kingdom of God. But what that looks like in each of our lives is a little bit different. It's not always the same. Some people are the hand, some people are the arm, some people are the leg, some people are the mouth. Everybody see that in the Bible, right? You, how many read your Bible? You know that's in there. Okay, everybody should have had their hand up right there. You're like, I feel so guilty. I didn't know. Okay, relax, relax, relax. Um, so we're, we're not called to do the same thing, but we are called to obedience, to surrender to the purpose of God upon our life. And if you say, well, I don't know what that is. 
Welcome to New Song. We're going to help you find out. That's what we're here for. And it, it looks different for everybody. At the same point, I, I was thinking about this, that, that as I've told you in the past, one of these days, I, I know if, if the Lord, as we say, you know, growing up, if the Lord should tarry, meaning if, if, if I'm still alive at the age of 85 and I'm on my deathbed and, and I'm surrounded by my, my, my family, my, my children, my grandchildren, I want to be able to look at them and say, that's how you live a life. And what am I saying when I say that? Because I know that, that my children and grandchildren will not be called to the very same thing that I'm called to. What I'm actually saying to them is I tried the best, to the best of my ability, I tried to be obedient to God on every occasion at all times. And that's how you live a life. That you surrender your life to Christ and be obedient to him. Let me say it a different way. That you have to live out whatever legacy you want to leave behind. Have you thought about your legacy? What do you want your legacy to be? Well, I, I, I want my legacy to be a Christ follower. I, I, I want my legacy to be uh, filled with purpose. I want my legacy to be uh, filled with generosity. I, I want my legacy to, uh, uh, to include a servant's heart. I, I want to be a servant of the Lord. I want to be somebody who's caring and compassionate and merciful and, and gracious. I want to be kind. I, you know, that's the legacy. Listen, if you want to leave that legacy behind, you actually have to live it out now. You have to live it out now. So, so if, if you have children, what do they see in you? If you have grandchildren, what do they see in you? If you don't have children yet, you're too young for children, you're not married yet or whatever the case is, what do you want your future children to see in you? What kind of life do you want to live? And if you're Christ follower... All of us as Christ followers would say, well, I do want to be obedient to the Lord. I want to embrace my purpose and live it out. So, so I, I live with what, I, I go deeper in my mindset is not only do I want to live out my purpose on, in, in my life, my God-given purpose, but I want my children to live out theirs. And I want my grandchildren to live out theirs. And I want my entire, all of my descendants to live theirs out until Jesus comes back again. So the legacy that I leave behind has to be lived out now by me. And I'm trying. I don't always get it right. And by the way, you don't always get it right either. But I want to be able to look at my children and my grandchildren and say, hey, that's how you live a life. You live a life of obedience to God. And, and part of us... We, our ministries might look different, our purposes might look different, but all of it will bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ, and it will, be, it will help expand the kingdom of God on the earth. In fact, uh, you know the Great Commission, go into all the world and, and preach the good news and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like we, we all have this Great Commission. All of us have been called to do something for the glory of God. And here's a question that I'm going to ask you today. The, the church of God has a mission in the world. And church of God, I mean all of the Christians, all of the capital C, the church of God has a mission in the world. But does the God of mission have a church in the world that's willing to carry it out? I'm going to say it again. I'm going to ask it again. The church of God has a mission in the world. But does the God of mission have a church in the world that's willing to carry it out? Isn't that a great question? By the way, I didn't ask that question originally. I just read it and I retained it. 
Because it's such a great question. I want to be a passionately devoted follower of Christ. I want to live out my purpose in Christ Jesus. And I think if you follow Christ too, you do too. So the question is, how do you discover it and how do you live it out? And we focus on these four things here. We want people to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. We want them to be passionately devoted followers of Christ. In fact, I'm going to show you something so beautiful in Scripture. This is uh, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 1.3. And he says, we remember before our God and Father your work. And he's talking to, to church people. He said, we remember. Like, here is your legacy. Here's your legacy. Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We remember that you have left a legacy of work and labor and endurance, but the foundation of those things was faith, hope, and love. Did you see that? Faith, hope, and love was the driving force in your life to work to labor, and to endure, to live out your purpose in the world. I, I came across this. I have no idea who wrote this, everybody. But I came across this a long, long time ago. And many of you, might, I might have shared this with many of you before in the past. The most beautiful hands happen to be the hands of Jesus. The most beautiful hands in heaven happen to be scarred. Likewise, Let's not approach God's throne with hands that are clean and smooth, but dirty and calloused from our labor that's prompted by love. I shake a lot of hands on Sunday morning, a lot of them. I wash my hands a lot of times on Sunday mornings. How many would do the same thing if you were me? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know where your hands have been. I just don't know. And not that I don't trust you, but I don't want to take a chance. And I wash my hands and sanitize them and and to be honest with you, I've shaken thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of hands, tens of thousands. In fact, a, a very dear friend of our, David, David Grant of ours, uh, who founded Project Rescue, which we're involved with, uh, he, he has shaken hundreds of thousands of hands, hands so many times that it's actually painful for him to do that. And he just doesn't do it anymore because it hurts too bad. And it's just a lifetime of shaking hands. And... Um, and there's a lot of hands that you shake that, that are just clean and smooth. And especially you ladies, you're like lotion-y. And sometimes you're like, wow, that's really strong. You know, like that. You put a lot of stuff on there. And sometimes it smells like lavender and lilacs. And ugh. <laughs> and every now and then I'll shake a guy's hand. And I'm like, man, those are working hands. Have you ever shaked a man's hand? And, 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 or have you ever shaked somebody's hand and it's just dried and cracked and there's like grease under the, the fingernails, you know, where they've been working hard, laboring, and, you know, there's probably some embedded splinters in there. And you're like, oh, those are working man hands. That's what we used to say when I was growing up. Those are working man hands. Like every now and then I'll shake a hand and I'm like, wow, you are more of a man than I am. And I'm, I'm, and I'm ruggedly handsome, burly man, but you win, you win. Can I tell you something? The most beautiful hands in heaven happen to be scarred. And let's never approach the throne. Let's not approach the throne of God with clean and smooth hands because we didn't do anything for the glory of God and the expansion of his kingdom. Let our hands be dirty and calloused because we got, we got our hands dirty serving and caring and loving 
those who don't know Jesus and those who do. Isn't that a beautiful? Some of you need to take that and just put that on your refrigerator where you can look at it every day. What do your hands look like? Are your hands involved in the things of God? Are you, are you living a surrendered life of obedience to the Lord? Or are you depending upon the success in your life to be determined by your accomplishments? By the way, those are very temporary things. Your accomplishments will die with you. But your legacy, as Christ followers, should live on for generations to come. That you can look back and say, that's how you live a life. So I'm going to take you, last week we talked about moving on from troubles. We said the one who could speak to that more than anybody else, I think, in the Bible would be the Apostle Paul. Well, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul again today, and we're going to talk about purpose today. In fact, just a, a chapter ahead of where we were last week, we're going to kind of move forward in the book of Acts. And I want to set this up as to what's happening in Paul's life, how he got to where he's at right now. So, so in this portion of Scripture... He has been uh, literally imprisoned because of the gospel. He's been sharing Jesus, and the Jews are, are as, we, as we said in Oklahoma, madder than a hornet. You know what I'm talking about? They're just upset, so upset that they're trying to actually kill him. In fact, they have devised ways, and they haven't worked out so far, but they, they have devised way to try to get Paul transferred from one location to another, from one prison to another. And on that journey, as they're transferring him, they have made an actual oath that said, we won't eat or drink until we actually kill that man. Like, the, as soon as he's out on the road being transferred to somewhere else, we're going to take his life. And they were, playing, they were laying plans to kill him. Well, the truth of the matter is, um, God had other plans. And so he finds himself in the middle of um, this trial and all of these, these trumped up charges against him. He's facing these charges and the Jews hate him. And yet a lot of, a lot of the people in charge are saying, we don't really see anything that, that deserves punishment. We don't, we don't see anything that you, you see. We don't understand why you're so mad at this guy. And, and he's undergoing uh, this trial for these trumped up charges. Now, uh, the governor in, the, in that province, in that region, was Governor uh, Felix. A at this point, he's kind of stepped out of the picture. He went on to, to, he's just out of it now. And now Festus is his name. Governor Festus comes in. And when a governor would come in and take control of a certain province, he would have a lot of very, very special guests come and visit him to celebrate his promotion as governor. Well, in this case, we see that King Agrippa actually comes to celebrate with the governor, Governor Festus, and they're together, and Festus actually brings up to Agrippa what's happening in the life of Paul. And he's like, hey, there's something going on here. I don't understand what really is happening here. Uh, maybe you can join me in this venture, join me in this trial to help me figure out what, what it is that these people want and what Paul has done so wrong. I, I just don't get it. And so King Agrippa and the governor Festus decide to have this trial with Paul, and they're giving Paul a chance to explain how he got to where he is. He's explaining, in this moment, he's explaining how he came to follow Jesus Christ. And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 26, starting in verse 12. It says, on one of these journeys, so he's talking about his past, he said, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. 
Meaning, I was actually a zealot. I was actually, Paul was actually pursuing Christians to torment them, to kill them, to get them imprisoned. He he was trying to take them out because he was anti, listen to this, he wasn't the Antichrist, but he was anti-Christ. He was anti-Jesus. So he, he's actually going his way, he's going out of his way to persecute Christians. He says, uh, uh, verse 13, about noon, King Agrippa, so he's addressing the, the king, as I was on the road to Damascus, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice. And what he's saying is, there were lots of witnesses to this. That I'm not the only one. There were lots of us that saw this, experienced this. So he's saying, I have proof. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So let's stop right right there. Here's what's happening. He has this incredible encounter with Jesus, and at this point, Paul, the Apostle Paul that we know of, he's going by the name Saul, and of course it's, it's going to change, it's going to change. But at this point, Jesus is getting his attention, saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Let, let me stop right there and just say, I just figured something out after about seven or eight years of doing sermon notes. I, I, had, I had the ability the entire time, and it had just hit me that I could start putting in your sermon notes the words of Jesus in red. Isn't that cool, everybody? Have you ever sat there and wondered, why didn't I know this before? Why didn't I think of this seven years ago? So actually, the words of Christ, everybody, give it, come on, give it up for your pastor for having a big thought there. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, so the words of Jesus are going to be in, in red. Okay. And, and Jesus is talking to Paul and saying, Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? And that doesn't make sense to you or I, or I in, this, in this culture, in this generation. But a goat would be, it would be a long stick or a long spear. It would be blunt on one end the, for the farmer who would be driving his oxen. And, and a lot of time the oxen would just get stubborn. They would want to go in a different direction or they wouldn't want to go at all. Or sometimes they would kick. They, they would try to kick to get out from, from underneath the yoke that they're on and the implement that they were pulling. Well, the farmer would have a goat. It would be blunt on one side against him where he could hold it easily. But the other side would be very, very sharp, sometimes steel, sometimes just a wooden point. And actually, he would keep that on their hind leg. And so as, as the oxen would kick, they would actually hurt themselves. And it would train them, don't kick anymore. I'm in control, not you. And so the more that they would kick against it, the more uncomfortable they would be. And it wasn't enough to hurt them. It just got their attention. So the more they they felt that against them, the more they'd say, okay, I'm losing this battle. I'll just go where the farmer wants me to go. And Jesus is is saying to to Paul, he said, listen, you've been kicking against the goat. I've been trying to get your attention, but you haven't been paying attention. And now I had to show up like this with a bright light and with a voice from heaven to get your attention. Can can I tell you something? A lot of you might not like to hear this, but it's true. That God oftentimes will make you uncomfortable in order to get your attention. Uh, You know, a lot of people have have said, Pastor, would you pray for so-and-so? Would you pray for so-and-so? I think that they just hit, I, I just think that they've hit rock bottom. Can I tell you something about rock bottom? Rock bottom is not where you're destroyed. Rock bottom is where you're reborn. 
And some people, they, they don't learn the lesson the easy way. How many of you in the room have been like that? Me too. Where God had to do something extreme to get my attention because I was kicking against the goats. I wasn't listening to him. He was, I'm telling you, God has this ability to make you uncomfortable because he's trying to push you in the direction that you were meant to go in. I remember in college before I, I, I switched majors to go into the ministry, I was a marketing major because my version of success was to make lots of money and not be around a bunch of church people. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but I'm not. I grew up in a pastor's home and I just, I, I was just like, I was, even as a teenager, as an 18, 19, 20 year old, I was burned out of ministry. I just saw so much watching my parents deal with people and I, I was tired of being poor and I was tired of all of the drama, all of the mess of sheep. And while I was in college, I was doing very well as a marketing major and, and, and yet the whole time, God was making me uncomfortable. On the inside, it wasn't right. On the inside, I was miserable. I looked like a success in college on the outside, but I was failing on the inside, and I knew it. And it was during a spiritual emphasis week when I heard a pastor preach about the purpose of God upon my life. And I went down to the altar, and I said, God, I'll give you my life. I'm sorry. I've been kick I, I, did, I didn't word it like that, but what I was saying was, I've been kicking against the goads. I, I, I've been ignoring you. you. You were purposely making me uncomfortable because you have a calling upon my life, and I surrender to your calling. I want, to be an, I want to be an obedient child. And it was the night that God said, hey, listen, your success will not be dependent upon your accomplishments or how much money you make. You make. Your success will be dependent upon your obedience to me. Well, I want to be successful, but not as far as this world is concerned. I want to be successful in the eyes of God. I want to, I, I, when I go to heaven, I, I want to hear... God say, well done, good and faithful servant. And not wonder if he's lying about it. Are you sure you're talking to me, God? Yeah. I, I want to hear those. Now, by the way, it's impossible for God to lie, just theologically. Okay, I need to throw that in there. I was just joking. Okay. But I, I want to hear, well done, Justin. Well done. You embrace the calling that I placed upon your life. You're obedient to me. Well done. I want to hear that. And I want my kids to hear that. And I want my grandkids to hear that. I, I, I want you to hear that. Because you're my family too. God has the ability to make you uncomfortable, to get your attention so that you'll submit to him. And that's what happened in Paul's life. So verse 15, then Paul asked, "Where?" Or he said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you. I've appeared to you. I've revealed myself to you because I have a calling upon your life. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. In fact, he says, Jesus says, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. We'll come back to that. And from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, place, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So Jesus is saying, Paul, you have been called to make a difference. 
You have been called to share the good news, the gospel of grace. You've been called to preach about me. And you're going to bring people. You're going to help people move from darkness to light. And what, what I teach all the time, if you were in Live Your Dream, you've heard me say this, or Next Steps, I, I, maybe in the past, not recently, because I don't get in there like I used to, but that God wants to move you. If you are not answering the call of God upon your life, if you are not living out your purpose in Christ Jesus, he wants to move you from your present position to your preferred position. The preferred position of your life is obedience to God. That's the preferred position. And if you're truly a follower of Christ, you want to live that life. That you want to live in obedience to your Father, your Heavenly Father. Well, there are people in this room that you are already, you're already experiencing that preferred position. You're doing exactly what God has called you to do right now. You're doing it. You're living it. But there are many in this room and watching online that you're in your present position, but you're not in your preferred position, that you've based your life upon success according to the world, but you've not based your life upon the obedience to living out the purpose of God in your life. And you say, well, pastor, I'm not, I'm not called to be a, a pastor. I'm not called to be like you. You don't have to. The Bible says it this way, that there are people who are, are, in the body of Christ, there are people who are hands and who are arms. There are people who are legs and who are mouths. You don't have to do ministry like I do ministry, but you are called to the ministry. You are called to live out your God-given purpose. Let me say it this way, that you were created on purpose for a purpose. My question is, are you living that out? And now, if you're not, Let's break that down. Because if you're not living out that purpose, it could be that you just haven't discovered what that purpose is. And we're here to help you. We'll help you. Or maybe you know what your purpose is and you're just not living it out. So some of you don't know. So you're not living it out. And some of you do know. You just haven't started living out. Or maybe you stopped living it out. And we have to move on from our present position to God's preferred position in your life. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. It's time to do something for God that maybe you're not doing right now. Well, pastor, how do I find out what that is? Well, we'll help you. Don't miss a week because this series is going to go on for another two weeks. Don't miss it. Be, make sure you're here, and we'll give you, we'll give you the steps for it. So now, uh, let's, let's go back to the, to the Apostle Paul. He's still in the middle of this conversation. He's still explaining how he got to where he was right then and what's happening, and we're going to pick this up in verse 24. So as Paul is, is speaking, it says, At this point, Festus, the governor, interrupted Paul's defense, and he says, You're out of your mind, Paul. Your great learning is driving you insane. And Paul's response was, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. What I'm saying is actually true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it wasn't done in a corner. Like, I, this wasn't hidden. It was very much out in the open. King Agrippa, so he's addressing the king now. Do you believe the prophets? Watch this. I know you do. 
He doesn't even give him a chance to answer. Do you believe the prophets? I know you do. I know you do. And we use that type of, of, of training all the time, especially um, to, to children as we're, as we're raising our, our children or grandchildren. You, you, you would say something like, that's not where that goes, right? That's not where that goes, right? Like, you know I'm right. And he's saying, looking at Agrippa saying, King Agrippa, you know I'm right. You know I'm right. And watch this, everybody, watch this. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul replied, and, and this is, this purpose is dripping from Paul's response right here. He says, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. I pray to God that every single one of you, including you, King Agrippa, will become a follower of Christ. I don't want you to be in chains. I don't want you to be a prisoner, but I do want you to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. He knows his purpose. I know what I'm called to do. I'm called to watch this. He's going back to the words of Jesus to, to help people have open eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins. He goes back to the heart of Jesus when Jesus called Paul on the road to Damascus and says, this is what I want you to do. Paul, now under, undergoing a trial, and he looks at the king and he looks at everybody else and he says, I'm just doing what Jesus told me to do. I'm trying to help you move from darkness to light. I'm just trying to do what God called me to do. Powerful stuff. See, you have to live out the legacy that you want to leave behind. You have to live out the legacy you want to leave behind. Let me ask this other question now, now that, now that this is sinking in a little bit. The, the, the church of God has a mission in the world, but does the God of mission have a church in the world that's actually willing to carry it out? That's a great question. Let it never be said of us that we are not willing let it never be said of us that we are stubborn. Let it never be said of us that we are ashamed of our faith. In fact, the Bible is very, very clear. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Can I get an amen right there, everybody? It's the power of God unto salvation. We should never be ashamed of it. In fact, you are called to stand strong in the faith, to lift your, lift your head up high and let people know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. See, if, if people that you work with don't know that, a, that you're a Christian, something's wrong, I guarantee you, you are not living out your purpose in Christ Jesus as of yet. Unless you just got hired there on Friday. That might be different. But if, if your coworkers don't know that you're a follower of Christ, can I tell you something? That you need to move on into your purpose. You need to move on into your calling. You need to grow in your relationship with Christ. But they should know. It should be clear. It should be clear to them. What are you doing to expand the kingdom of God? What are you doing to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ? And can I tell you, there is nothing insignificant about it. Let me, let me show you this. Number one, write this down. We'll go through this very quickly. I say this all the time 
Many of you have heard me say this, that God created you as the solution to a problem. And I'm talking about this, that you were made on purpose for a purpose. God created you as the solution to a problem. When, when God created you, he had a problem in mind, and you weren't the problem. You were actually called to solve the problem. When God created you, he had a problem in mind in which you were called to solve. And it varies from person to person. It varies because we're all part of the same body, but we don't all do the same thing. There are people who dream big dreams. And did you know that there's other people who fund the big dreams? Did you know that? That there, there's a calling upon people's lives, the lives of men and women, that they are called to be great entrepreneurs, that they're called to make a lot of money, but not to hoard it. They're actually called to invest it into the kingdom of God and fund the, the kingdom of God. David Green is a shining example of that, the, the owner of Hobby Lobby. I would dare you to do a, a, just, just read about him, what he does, how much he gives away. He just gives millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars away. He's even told his family, I don't know what I'm going to give you. I don't know what will be left. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just called to fund the mission of God in the world today. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. He's living out his purpose. I, I, let me go to the office and in. There, there's a kid, in, in, a, a man, not, not a kid, but a man. In fact, my brother's in the room right here, and he knows who I'm talking about. This this, this, this man, uh, where we lived in Adair, prior Oklahoma area, we lived out in the country and went to school in Adair, but had a prior address. So I don't know where I lived in high school. I have no idea. And, uh, but I do know this, across the road from us, there was a guy down the road. His name was, uh, I, I believe his first name was Ron, but I, know, I certainly know the last name was Giles. I, I believe it was Ron Giles. And my dad worked on Ron Giles, just kept sharing Jesus with him for a long, long time. Well, one day, Ron Giles showed up to church on a Sunday morning. And, and, and my dad was super excited. I mean, my dad was, Ron Giles is here. And Ron Giles came in with a coffee cup filled with coffee. And the church people flipped out. You know why? You know why? Because they thought the carpet was more important than the eternity of Ron Giles. And I remember it caused a stir. Oh, I can't believe he's bringing coffee in here. And my dad was like, he could wear a bikini in here and he'd still be welcome. You know, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. Uh, that's just weird. I, see, it's third service. I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> but, but there was something in Ron Giles that he was comforted. It was a comfort to him to have a coffee cup in his hand. And I, I'll never forget that coffee cup. And I'll never forget Ron Giles coming to church that morning. And, and, and can, can, I, can I tell you this? Every single morning when you get here, there's coffee waiting for you. That's not an accident. Can, can we give it up for the brew crew, everybody? Just get you coffee every morning. They get, here early, they get here earlier than I do. And they make coffee. You know why? Because there's something comforting about just, not only do we want to serve you, we want to help you enjoy the day. But, but a lot of times, in fact, it happened last Sunday morning. I, I met this couple that came in. I could tell that they looked a little lost. They said, hey, is your first time here? And they said, yeah. I said, you know what? Have you had your coffee yet? And let me give you a tour. Why don't you get some coffee and I'll give you a tour? Because coffee is comforting. It's comforting. Come on. You should have amen too, everybody. You know it. All of you addicts out there. And... But it's, it's comforting. And I'm telling you, a, coffee, a cup of coffee is important. 
Maybe you're not called to be a David Green of Hobby Lobby, but maybe you're called to be a part of the brew crew. That you make a cup of coffee for somebody to help them relax and help their walls to come down as they listen to the good news of Jesus Christ here in this room. By the way, that's why we put concrete under the chairs, everybody, because we wanted you to bring coffee into this room. Why? Because some people just need it. They just need it. They need it. It's something that, okay, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little overwhelmed being here, but at least I got my coffee. And they might not actually think that thought verbatim, but they're thinking that thought. It's a comfort to them. See, see, we all do different things, but what are you doing, though? What are you doing? Are you living out the purpose of God upon your life? Are you, are you glorifying the Lord in your life? God created you as the solution to a problem. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's masterpiece. And he, he, he created you as the solution to a problem. In advance, he knew what your purpose was. Number two, we are the church, capital C, believers, followers of Christ. We are the church and we exist for the world. Some people think that we only exist for each other. Can I tell you, we do exist for each other. We're meant to encourage one another in the faith, but we exist for the world. I love Isaiah 60, verse 1. And a lot of people think that this is more of a Christmas type of verse. But if you read this in context, let me show you, show you what it means. Arise, shine, arise and shine, for your light is coming. And everybody say, yay, Jesus is here. I want you to keep reading. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord... Rises, new song rises upon you. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the peoples. There, everybody, we've never lived in such a dark generation as we are right now. So darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. And nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. That word glory in the Bible is the word, Hebrew word for, it's kabod. And it's, it's the weightiness, the weighty presence of the Lord. The anointing of the Lord rests upon you. Why? To be a light in a very dark world. That's why we read in the New Testament, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And it doesn't say it just like that, but it says, should we hide it under a bushel? No. Why? Because it's the glory of the Lord, and it's risen upon us. We are, we are people who take light to, the very, to a very dark world. I'm telling you, everybody, we are the church, and we exist for the world. Number three, all of us are ministers, and I'll get more into this next week. But it's been said, maybe you've heard this, that the Great Commission, you know, go into all the world and preach the good news of the, of, the, of the gospel of Jesus, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That the Great Commission is oftentimes considered an option to be considered when it's actually a command to be obeyed. It's not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. 
that all of us are ministers. In fact, 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but you, new song, you, 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 you are a chosen people. New song, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And the calling that the Lord Jesus Christ placed upon the apostle Paul and said, listen, you are to help people move from darkness to light. That same calling is not only upon the apostle Paul, but it's on every follower of Christ because we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are ministers, new song. The Bible says that all of us are stewards, managers of God's grace in its various forms. See, you're, you're a minister. You're like, well, well, actually, Pastor, I got this thing figured out. You're, you're a minister. You're part of the clergy. Can I tell you something about clergy? The, the, the word clergy, a lot of people, you know, it, in fact, if you go to a hospital, sometimes it'll say clergy parking only. And it's for pastors who come in and we're on, you know, sometimes emergencies. We need to get there before somebody passes away or if somebody's in, uh, just undergone a traumatic event, they give us special parking. And, and, um, and a lot of times it'll say clergy parking only. Well, clergy is never found in the Bible. The, the root word of clergy was, is actually what we would use the word cleric for, cleric. And what it meant was, in the time that this phrase came out, clergy, a member of the clergy, was literally, you would think, well, that's a pastor. That's somebody who gets paid to do what they, no, it's actually, that's not true. It, it's actually, the root word is cleric, and it just meant that there's these people that could do something that nobody else could do in that generation, in that culture. They could read. It's, I'm just being serious. So a cleric or a clergy would just take the Bible because he was surrounded by people who were illiterate. He was the only one, she was the only one that could read, so they would just read the Bible, and they were considered clergymen or clergy. And there's another word associated that's not in the Bible either, laymen or lay, lay, lay people. And, and a lot of people think, well, you're clergy, you do the work, we're laymen, we just lay down. We, we don't do anything. I, it's just up to you to do. That's not biblical, everybody. It's not biblical. It's not in there that all of us are called to be ministers of the gospel of grace. And I'm gonna ask you, are you ready to move on? If you, if you haven't already embraced your purpose, your calling, are you ready to move on into your purpose? Well, pastor, how do I know it is? Well, just don't miss next Sunday and the week after that. In fact, just don't, here's an idea, just don't miss any Sundays. Let's do that. <laughs> as I just teach you how to live out your purpose and help you discover your purpose and then make a difference in the world. It's something I'm very, very passionate about. You have to live out the legacy that you want to leave behind. You have to live it out. Would you stand up with me today? I'm so proud of you, new song. We're just setting the stage, I, I, I know, in this area. I hope you're encouraged in the word of God, strengthened in the word of God today. I have a special prayer I want to pray for you. I'm pulling it up right now. I promise I'm not texting anybody. I uh, wrote some things down. I want to speak over you today, some very specific things, all from the Word of God. And before we go any further, I just want to speak a blessing over you that we would live out our purpose in Christ Jesus. And, and your, your purpose may look different from mine, but it doesn't, make it, it doesn't make mine any better and yours any worse. It doesn't make mine any better or any greater and yours less. No, it, that we're all, we're all called according to his purpose in Christ Jesus. And we're all 
we're all called to live a life. John Maxwell says, never live a life of success. Live a life of significance. Never live a life of success. Live a life of significance. There's a difference. And that's what I'm talking about. So I'm going to speak a blessing over you. Would you bow your heads with me and just open your hands toward heaven? Heavenly Father, in the name and by the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, I speak this blessing over my new song family, both in person and watching online. I ask, Lord, and declare over them that their spiritual eyes would be open because when they see what you see, they'll do what you did. They'll serve and they'll love and they'll care and they'll get their hands dirty in the ministry. Jesus, help them to remember that the most beautiful hands in heaven are the ones that are scarred. God, I speak over them ears to hear what your spirit would say to them concerning every opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. That they would not only see that opportunity, but according to your word, they would make the most of it. And you would fill their mouths with the things to say. Father, I'm reminded that we are meant to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into wonderful light. And I pray that all of us would live a life of declaration. Father, I speak over my new song family, faith to believe for the miraculous. Faith to believe for loved ones who don't know you, that they will come to know you. Father, I speak a blessing over New Song today. That you would send people into their lives so that they could be a witness. So that they could give testimony of the goodness of our God. And salvation that comes by grace through faith. Lord, I declare over them boldness in their hearts. And in their lives. Courage to speak up. And to help people move from darkness into light. And Lord, I declare that we will see the spiritually captive set free like never before. According to your power that's, work, that's at work within us and that's at work within them. And we thank you, Lord, that you have not given up hope on this generation. Lord, I thank you that you're pouring out your spirit across this land. There's a move of the Spirit that's sweeping across this land, Father, and we don't want to miss it. We don't, want, we don't want to go without it. So whatever your Spirit is doing in this land, Father, so do in us. In this church, in our families, in our lives, in this community, in this state, in this nation. Lord, we give you free reign. And I declare it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now stay right where you are just for a second. I have technically one more minute. This we got one more minute. First Peter 2 9, but you are a chosen people. New song, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You are God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And for those of you who say, you know what, I live a Christian life and, and you know, people are just going to see my life and come to Jesus. No, they won't. Because even people who don't know Jesus sometimes live great, generous lives. 
The Bible says that we are called to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Listen, when it, when it comes to sharing your faith, certainly live it out. Let your actions speak for themselves. But be bold and start making some declarations with your mouth. And all you have to do is start by saying this. All I know is Jesus made a change in me. And then tell him how he did it. That's all you got to do. All I know is Jesus has done miraculous things in me. All I know is God's been faithful. All I know is God's done the miraculous. All I know is God, God has just been so wonderful to me. You just start right there. You start right there. New song, you have, to, you have to learn to declare the praises of our God. So don't hold it in. Let it out. Tell people how good Jesus really is. And that's their starting place right there. That's your starting place. Do you receive it? Yes or no? I love you so much. I'm so very, very proud of you. One invitation can change a life. So invite people to Jesus. But if you don't know how to invite them to Christ, at least invite them to church so we can invite them to Jesus. Have a great day, everybody. God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday morning as we continue this series.